couple things happened in the last couple weeks. First of all, there was shock, amazing shock. I know you shared it. Calvin Harris admitted a tremendous shock that his girlfriend, Taylor Swift, appeared to be dating someone else before, before she had broke up with him. And my only question is, has he ever listened to any of her lyrics? And I quote, got a long list of ex-lovers. They'll tell you I'm insane because you know I love the players and you love the game. Shocked, literally shocked. And then we had this gentleman by the name of Tony Robbins. Have you seen this thing? 30 to 40 people were taken or treated for burn wounds after they had attended a Tony Robbins motivational type event. And basically, as a way that the people exemplified their control and mastery over fear, they were to walk across a bed of hot coals. Now, uh, Mr. Robbins conducted this same experiment back in 2012 with similar results, a number of people being treated for burns. I don't know. Maybe. Control over fear. Some days I feel weak, and some days I feel strong, and some days the weight seems to lift itself, but not very often. Some days my form is off, and I say I can't do that, and then someone else says, well, not with that attitude. Well, true enough, but it's still okay to say I can't, I think. Some days I hurt, and then someone else will tell a story about someone who hurts more, and I think, yeah, but I still hurt. All your strength. All your strength. All your strength. We're back in chapter 4 today. Join with me, page 1030. Again, we will have an appropriate time for you to enter in with this reading. After this, I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice, which I heard speaking to me like a trumpet, said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne stood in heaven with one seated on the throne. And he who sat there had the appearance of Jasper and Carnelian, page 1030, Revelation 4. And around the throne were, was a rainbow that had the appearance of an emerald. Around the throne were 24 thrones, and seated on the thrones were 24 elders clothed in white garments with golden crowns on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning and rumblings and peals of thunder, and before the throne were burning seven torches of fire, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne there was, as it were, a sea of glass like crystal. And around the throne, on each side of the throne, are four living creatures, full of eyes in front and behind, the first living creature like a lion, the second living creature like an ox, the third living creature with the face of a man, and the fourth living creature like an eagle in flight. And the four living creatures, each of them with six wings, are full of eyes all around and within, and day and night they never cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who is seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who is seated on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things. And by your will, they existed and were created. Robert Coleman calls this creation hymn. The 24 are the best of the best. They're representing the absolute best. And they acknowledge a number of things that are true about God. Worthy are you, Lord and God. 
to receive glory and honor and power. It's like you have this moment in your life, right, where you hear about someone, well, you yourself has been congratulated for something good that has happened. And you think to yourself, it's not me that did it. It's Amy, or it's Abby, or it's Derek, or it's Eric, or it's Tom, but it certainly wasn't me. Give them the credit. They're the ones that did it. I was just watching. That's what the 24 are doing. In the purest sense, at Timberwood Church, it's not about us. You have to know that. We don't always get it right. But we will always say it's not all about us. It's about what God is doing with us. And we echo the voice of the 24 saying, To him be the glory and the power and honor. The creator, you created all things. Your will allows them to exist. Your will creates them. And this is described as a postcard of worship. In our worship, we discover our theology. The reasons we have for worshiping God are the same reasons that inform what we think about God. Please understand, and I know some will be challenged by this, worship is more important than thinking. Putting it another way, choosing between being an excellent theologian and being an excellent worshiper, choose the latter. It is more important than the former. But what does worship mean? And what is worship? And how do we worship? Webster defines it simply as an act of showing respect and love for God, especially by praying with other people who believe in the same God. And we are comfortable with that decision, right? It makes sense to us. And we talk about corporate worship, what happens when we are together. And we talk about individual worship, private worship, when we are alone by ourselves. But perhaps if we had the boldness, we would add a fourth point, and that would be total worship. Worshiping Yahweh, worshiping God. Now, to be sure, the very fact that God is God is the only reason that we need to worship Him. But please understand, we don't have to worship God simply because He is God, although that certainly is true, okay? Who God is, is all the reason that we need to worship Him. But God never leaves us there. God never leaves us at a point where that's the only reason why we do worship Him. God always expresses Himself in relationship the triune God, as the creator. Do you know how important that is? Have you ever noticed, if you've ever created something, how jazzed you are about the thing that you've created? Say that you're a woodworker, okay? And say that you've created something that, quite frankly, is as ugly as the day is long. It doesn't matter, because you created it, and it is beautiful to you. It is absolutely amazing. Sure, the angles are off. Sure, the finish isn't quite right. You can maybe see some blemishes that a more sophisticated woodworker would have produced or would not have produced, but you are nonetheless the creator. And you love it. The very fact that we are living is a reason to worship God. We are created by Him. He is the Creator. If you worship, it centers you. It centers you on the object that you are worshiping. It is what you are thinking about. 
if someone deals with something that is less than in their lives, it is amazing to me how often they will say, I, I never deal with that less than thing when I'm here. And by that, they mean that in this place, there is a unique collective focus on who God is. There is power when we gather together in corporate worship. Personally, I experience this when I'm in this place, and it's because we are worshiping God. In fact, I would argue the more we worship God, the more we become like his son, and the stuff that seeks to consume us will have a declining power to control us. This happens when we're worshiping God, when we've spent adequate time with God, when we are focused on God. Again, please understand, while God is in and of himself worthy to be worshiped apart from anything that he says or does, God always extends himself to us, his created order. He is always incarnating himself through the Son, through the Spirit, into our lives so that there is always a benefit to the worshiper when the object of worship is the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. God is always seeking to reward those who are in a relationship with him, with life, with breath, even with physical blessings, sure, but the spiritual blessings that make earth trinkets look like something you'd find at a county fair after you pluck a duck out of a tub of water. Please understand, at its basic and most sobering level, those who worship God, those who have God at the center of their lives, those who are in a vital, life-giving relationship with God are alive. Those who don't worship God, those who don't place God at the center, who don't live in a relationship with God in a light, vital, and life-giving way are dead. In fact, I would even put so strongly to say that the people that worry about dying are dead already. And the people that are alive, really alive, really don't worry about death. For those of us that know this, we get it. And the challenge for those who don't is, is a sense of how much good can come out of worship. I mean, how can my worship of God bring so much into my life? And furthermore, what does it mean to truly worship God? We have a postcard version of what it means to worship God here. One aspect of God that is vitally important and vitally true, but, but is not everything. Verse 11 describes, again, he is a creator, and we invite the question, why do you create? Some create to make themselves look good. It's not how God creates. Most people create because it brings a sense of joy, because in a small or large way, it puts them in a relationship with others with what they have created or becomes a tool for relationships to flourish. God created, yes. Why? To be in relationship with you and me. 
Check out the garden before the fall in the cool of the evening, right? Okay, it's at the end of the day, right? The cool of the evening, and he's hanging out. It's the first happy hour. No, I'm serious. It's at the end of the day, and God aspires, desires to walk with his created order in the cool of the evening, to engage with them, to celebrate, to replay the day, to understand the joys and the victories, to understand the challenges. God creates so he can have a relationship, and worship is the human response to the Creator the way the created relates to the creator. Now, we've been taught that worship is the musical portion of a Sunday morning service. And certainly, worship through music is worship. But in reality, as a percentage of the week's worship, music on Sunday morning is a relatively minor, albeit important, percentage Worship is the totality of the created's response to a creator that honors the created. That honors the creator, rather. That was a mouthful that even I got wrong. So let's look at it a different way. I am, you are created by God. Everything that we do in our lives that honors him is worship. And everything that we do that doesn't honor him is not worship. And worship is not confined to simply what happens on a Sunday morning. The things that we do that enhance, that honor the reputation of God through our actions, through our heart, through our mind, through our soul, through our body. And a necessary corollary is the reality that, that total worship suggests I would aspire to have everything in my life meet this standard. I would aspire my life to honor God to enhance his reputation in absolutely everything that I do. And that is complete and total worship. The goal is to live a unified life. Far too often we settle for a divided life. Far too often we settle for worshiping God on Sunday morning, but then Monday rolls around and we're like, yeah, but i got to be in the work world. And it doesn't seem like I can worship God in the work world. And nothing could be further from the truth. The delight with which God has placed us in our individual careers, in our individual jobs, wherever they might be, at hearth and home or in the marketplace, is the delight that we can worship him, we can honor him, we can enhance his reputation in everything that we do, in everything that we say. That we would aspire to live our lives in response to a creator, And that when I live in such a way, I honor him. And that is worship. And when I don't, I work to move that behavior that doesn't honor him to behavior that does honor him. 
Now, I know for some, and even in my own brain, okay, that sounds good, but, but how do you anchor on that? Because worship is singing, right? <laughs> well, before we were going to study the book of Revelation, I honestly thought we were going to be in the book of Romans. I really did, okay? Um, I'm more of, of, of a person who enjoys John's work than I am uh, who enjoys Paul's work, although I enjoy Paul's work a lot. It's just that I enjoy John's work more, mainly because he's the last guy to talk. What do you do? There's nothing else you can do, right? Okay, he's the last guy to talk, okay? But I was like, okay, get out of your comfort zone. Go Pauline, go Romans, great book, phenomenal text, has one of my favorite verses in the entire Bible. It's Romans chapter 12, verse 1. And it says, present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual form of Bingo. Paul makes the argument quite simply. What I do, how I live, is an opportunity to engage in worship. This last week, I find myself working out. And like I said, I often um, cannot lift as much as I want or cannot do the thing that I thought I could do or I'm exhausted by the experience that I have in working out, whether I'm on the bike or whether I'm on the water or whether I'm in the gym. And I have this little phrase that I repeat over and over and over again in my head, and it comes somewhat out of the Bible without any question. All your strength. All your strength. All your strength. I repeat it to the friends that I work out with if they're at a particularly challenging moment. All your strength, all your strength, all your strength. And it's meant to be an encouragement. It's meant to center because it's valuable for me to center on who God is in my life. It's valuable for me to have the creator at the center of all that I do wherever I find myself, irrespective of where I find myself whether I'm at a gym or a place called Fulton, or whether I'm at a business meeting, or whether I'm engaging with someone, or whether I'm just driving down the road. Any place that I am, all my strength. To worship him with everything that I have. I would be the first to admit there are many times in a given week, in a given day, where I fail in my own stated goal for my life. And more important than the stated goal that I have for my life, the stated goal that God has for my life. But I know every failure has, at the end, the ability to turn it around. And I understand that each opportunity in which I can't push the weight up is an opportunity for my body to get stronger. And I understand each hill that I want to climb that seeks through the power of gravity to pull me back down is an opportunity for the legs and the lungs to be stretched. 
Maybe it's why I like working out. Because it's instantaneous feedback. A living, moving metaphor for the spiritual existence we are to have with God. The opportunity that we have to live our lives in a vital, life-giving relationship with the creator of the universe, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. And in living that life, enhancing God's reputation so that others will be compelled to enter into the same life-giving relationship. All your strength, all your might, all your days. Please pray with me. Father, we come simply and honestly. Let our notion of worship be challenged. Allow us to be willing to embrace a view of worship that is more than a Sunday morning celebration. But is a daily sense of delight that we have when you are the center of our universe. Father, we thank you for this time and for this day.